When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Right now, it's time for Dr. History. And Dr. History is brought to everybody by Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main in Burley. And they're right across from the Burley Airport. They've got it all. Windows, doors, garage doors, lumber, metal siding, vinyl siding, all the Tartar Ranch and farm equipment. Holy cow! Zach and Joanne serving you at Minicasha Sales. And we say good morning to Dr. History. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing this morning? I am fantabulous. How are you way up north? You know, I'm. you're breaking up quite a bit. I'm just wondering if you can hear me okay. Oh, you're coming through fine. You're coming through fine. Okay, as long as I'm coming through okay, I'll just... You're kind of sporadic, but what's new, right? Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how are you doing today? I am fantastic. What are we going to be talking about today, Dr. History? Well... You know, uh, as you think about a river that runs right past you and I, the good old Snake River, I've got two stories. We'll go with one, and if we have time, we'll hit the second one. So I've got a couple of stories that happen right here in southern Idaho along the Snake River. Okay. Now, one of them has to do with a, a, some people call it a myth called Bigfoot. Have you ever heard of Bigfoot? Well, I was on the same basketball team with him. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you about a Bigfoot, a real live Bigfoot. Okay. And give now, me a break in about... Storytellers, in midsummer, about 1863, three men were riding along the Snake River searching for some stray horses, and a guy by the name of Ben Cook, he said, look, he said to his partners, John Wheeler and Frank Johnson, they reined in their horses around uh, and came back to this sandbar. Well, the three riders got off their horses, and they formed a circle as they stared down at the huge footprints. Twice before, Frank Johnson had measured the prints once along the shoreline of the Payette River, and again several years later along the Boise River. Now, incredibly, they measured 18 inches from heel to toe. Now, that's a big foot. Yes, it is. Shaquille O'Neal. Now, the fresh footprints indicated the legendary Bigfoot was nearby. Mm-hmm. Now, each man began calculating his share of the money. There was a reward of $1,000 for Bigfoot. So they figured $1,000 split three ways. That sounded pretty good. So following the tracks downstream, they soon caught sight of Bigfoot. It was a buckskin-clad giant of a man. Now, to the north of where he was lay the entrance to Hell's Canyon, which, you know, the size of that is so steep that a mountain sheep has trouble finding a foothold. Now, to the west flowed the Snake River, which at that area, the currents are bad, the undertows, the swift water made swimming or fording the river pretty much impossible. Now, to the east rose a kind of a sagebrush ground, an area that kind of gentle foothills and pretty easy riding. 
So the riders prepared to chase down Bigfoot across this area. Well, Bigfoot heard the riders approaching, but instead of heading for open country, he just plunged into the Snake River. Now the three men stared in disbelief as he easily swam through the churning water, the white water, and climbed to the bank on the Oregon side of the river. Now John Wheeler said, well, let's head up the river. There's a ferry called Old's Ferry. And so they took off. We'll head him off up there, he said. So by the time the, the men raced their horses the five miles to the ferry, of course their horses were tired and winded and And now the $1,000 reward didn't seem like such a sure thing, but anyway, they weren't ready to give up the chase, so once across the river, they doubled back uh, along the Oregon bank. Now, about five miles downstream, they found a smoldering campfire and the skeletons of two large salmon, which obviously were Bigfoot's uh, breakfast or lunch, whatever. But Bigfoot's prints were clear in the sand leading from the river, And then there were even fresher prints that led back to the water. And stretched out on a sandbar on the Idaho side lay Bigfoot just enjoying the rays of the late afternoon sun. So in other words, he kind of made a fool of those guys. He, uh, They saw him cross the river, but by the time they got back, he'd crossed back to the other side. So now he was on the Idaho, Idaho side. So anyway, uh, these guys, they uh, they kind of gave up and... Uh, But uh, Wheeler said, you know, he hasn't seen the last of me. In other words, he, he was, wasn't going to give up. Well, it seems there was a group of Teamsters driving 20 wagons uh, that allegedly encountered Bigfoot while camped on the Payette River up there in Idaho. Uh, but during the early morning hours, the renegade uh, and two other Indians stole some of the Teamsters' horses. Now, five of the freighters mounted the remaining horses and gave chase. Well, they caught the thieves at dawn and... Uh, north of the site of present-day town of Weezer. Now, in the ensuing battle, the two Indians were killed, but Bigfoot escaped on foot. He was herding six horses ahead of him, and he reached the Snake River, and he forced the horses into the water. He then swam the river himself, and when the exhausted horses reached shore, he was waiting for them. Uh, the teamster said he disappeared into the distance, herding the horses before him. So this guy had to be in incredible shape. Well, reports of the renegade giant had brought terror to the settlers and the miners of the region uh, since the spring of 1857. And it was the same year a wagon train of immigrants was massacred by Indians on the Boise River. Mm-hmm. Now, some residents said that Bigfoot was a myth, uh, a handy explanation for any murder or theft, but there were plenty of believers that, that did believe in this guy. Now, according to the standard Bigfoot story, he was born in the Cherokee Nations in Oklahoma the son of a white man named Archer Wilkinson and a Cherokee woman. So his name actually was Star Wilkinson. But because of his size, the other children called him Bigfoot. Now, while Bigfoot was still a boy, his uh, father met his end at the end of a rope. Uh-oh. I don't know what he did, but whatever it was, he, uh, he was hung for whatever he did. Now, because... Uh, Star was a light-skinned boy. He wasn't accepted by his, by the Indians or by the white people. Well, Star Wilkinson, or Bigfoot as we call him, he headed west in 1856 on an Oregon-bound uh, a wagon train. Now, along the way, he became infatuated with a young woman who encouraged his attentions. But several weeks later, their wagon train was joined by one from New York that included a young artist named Hart. Now, Hart Uh, began courting this woman, who was also the obje objective of uh, 
Wilkinson's attention. Well, by autumn, things began to heat up between the two rivals, and it climaxed at a place called Goose Creek, right there by you and I, Deb, right? mm-hmm. the Goose Creek that comes out of Oakley, right there along the Snake River. Uh, so the men met in a private uh, area to sort out their differences. Now, during the occasion, the discussion, Hart drew his pistol and shot Wilkinson in the shoulder. Mm. Well, this made the giant pretty mad. He grabbed Hart by the neck and choked him to death. Oh, my goodness. He threw the body into the Snake River. He took Hart's rifle, pistol, and knife and took off because he he obviously knew he was probably going to be in trouble. Now, pretty soon, the renegade was robbing miners, settlers, stages, wagon trains, uh, he made friends with some of the Bannock Indians uh, by sharing his loot with them, and the result was a loyal group of followers. Now, his Indian friends actually called him Nampa, or Bigfoot, and some say the city of Nampa, Idaho, is named for Bigfoot. Now, they, they spelled it N-A-M-P-U-H. So, but anyway, according to the legend, uh, the following spring, while traveling along the Boise River, Bigfoot spotted the wagon train he had left back at Goose Creek, uh, you know, a while back. Well, the group had wintered in the Boise Basin, and Bigfoot rounded up about 30 of his Indian friends, plus a French trapper named Joe Lewis. Uh, The raiders, unfortunately, massacred all the members of the wagon train, and unfortunately, including the young woman who had once uh, uh, been the the object of his affection. Uh Uh-huh. Well, when everything was over and discovered along the banks of the Boise River, these giant footprints were found in the sand, and other bad things occurred following, and pretty soon Bigfoot had a $1,000 bounty on his head. Now, in 1868, five years after uh, uh, their encounter with Bigfoot, this John Wheeler guy was appointed to a special force of lawmen dispatched by the governor. And his job was to restore order between the uh, mining companies. But there had been a rash of stage robberies between Silver City and Boise City. Now, despite his law job, Wheeler was uh, considered a suspect for some reason. So he must not have been a totally uh, wholesome character. But anyway, according to legend, one hot July day, a guy by the name of Anderson was driving his two-horse wagon from Silver City to Boise. As he neared a place called Reynolds Creek Canyon... He pulled his team to the side of the road and took cover in a stand of juniper trees. Mm-hmm. Now, Bigfoot had attacked a lot of attacked a lot of stagecoaches and other people in this little canyon, and Anderson did not want to run into Bigfoot alone. Now he knew that a stage wasn't too far behind him, so he decided just to wait. But as he waited for the stage, Anderson noticed a movement in the canyon. Well, Bigfoot and two other Indians, all on foot, appeared. Suddenly, shots rang out, and from behind some boulders, now both Indians were killed, and Bigfoot was wounded. Now, the shooter kept firing the bullets, hitting Bigfoot again and again and again, until finally he dropped. Now, Anderson said a lone man emerged from the boulders and approached the fallen Bigfoot, and he recognized this man as this John Wheeler guy that had seen him several years previous. Well, Anderson left his place of hiding and joined the ambusher, Wheeler. Well, Bigfoot was dying, and the men promised to bury the the fallen giant in the hills and keep his death and the whereabouts of his grave a secret. Now, some claim that Wheeler kept the killing of Bigfoot a a secret because he also wanted to wait and rob the stagecoach and probably blame it on Bigfoot. 
Well, Anderson later claimed he counted 16 bullet wounds before burying Bigfoot. Wow. He said that the giant was six foot nine tall, about 59 inches around the chest, and uh, with a foot measuring 18 inches in length and 18 inch- inches around. Wow. Well, later that summer, John Wheeler tried to rob a Blue Mountain stage, and a posse captured him, and he was sentenced to 10 years in the Oregon Penitentiary. But 10 years later, this Anderson guy sent a letter to the Idaho Statesman newspaper in Boise, and it detailed the, the account of what happened there on Reynolds Street. Now, a lot of historians today believe that Anderson, uh, uh, that that account was the actual uh, account, but they wonder if it was written by Wheeler using a pen name in an attempt to uh, improve his public image. But nevertheless, uh, August, in actually in August of 1974, a monument to Bigfoot was dedicated at the Fort Boise site near Parma with Governor Cecil Andrus presiding over the dedication ceremony. And even if Bigfoot is nothing more than the figment of an outlaw's imagination, he has become an important part of the history of the Snake River. Absolutely. Now you're going to just let me have it for a moment so I can tell everybody about Minicasha sales. Are you not Dr. History? You know, Zeb, I cannot understand what you're saying. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time hearing you, too. Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main in Burley. Don't forget, they've got all your windows, all your doors, all your garage doors. They've got everything, all your carpet, your vinyl, every single thing you need, along with uh, the Formica solid surface countertops. You better see Zach and Joanne today. Absolutely. They're also a distributor for Tartar Farm and Ranch Equipment panels, cattle handling equipment, you name it, waterers, they've got it all, and they're waiting to serve you at 1321 East Main and Burley, Minicash Sales, right across from the Burley Airport, and bringing you Dr. History. And right now, here is Dr. History one more time. Take it away, Doc. Okay, I've got one more short story that I'd like to share with you. This also happened right along the Snake River. There was a ferry that was called Morgan Payne's Ferry. And it was located about two miles above Thousand Springs, which is near present-day Hagerman, Idaho. And that's, of course, where hundreds of springs once flowed into the Snake River. And the springs were an important landmark on the Oregon Trail. It was beautiful, clear, clean water, and it was looked forward to with anticipation to those traveling on the Oregon Trail. Now, originally, the ferry crossing was made without a cable. And so they had six to eight men that would row the craft across the river with long sweep oars. Now, most of Payne's customers were horses and riders, uh, livestock, and, and occasionally just a small farm wagon. Now, in 1871, Payne established a cable ferry, and this new heavy-duty boat could accommodate stagecoaches and freight and immigrant wagons. Uh, and so the Overland Stage Line paid $1,000 a year, to use the ferry. Now, the Overland Stage crossed the river twice each day at about midnight when heading for Utah and at sunup when bound for Boise, which was about 110 miles to the north. Well, in 1876, an Overland Stage went overboard. What happened was the stage driver, a man named Mason, was traveling without passengers but carrying, of course, the all-important mailbags. Well, after giving the customary morning greeting to the ferry operator, 
Mason lined his team up to the ferry and drove onto the platform. Now, after the ferry left the bank, the driver remembered he had a uh, letter for the ferry operator. Well, when he reached down to retrieve the letter from the boot, the horses took his sudden movement as a signal to move ahead. Not a good thing. The two lead horses stepped forward onto the apron at the end of the ferry, which gave way under their weight. Well, the team, the stage, and the driver all plunged into the river, about 10 to 12 feet of water. Now, the driver, he thrashed free from the sinking stage and nearly drowning in the process. And after he got to the surface, he gulped some air and he dove into the cold, swirling water to try to free the panicking team of horses. Now, the driver was struck several times by the horse's hooves because they were trying to stay a, keep their head above water. Well, he was able to free the two lead horses and actually swim them to shore, which I, uh, to me is an impossible thing to do, but he made it. Well, the two other horses drowned under the weight of the harness and the stage, and though shaken with exhaustion and cold, Mason made one more dive to rescue the soggy male from the, the sunken stagecoach. So those are two stories that happened right here in our own southern Idaho along the Snake River. Absolutely. I certainly hope you can hear me now. I don't know what the problem is with the phone line this morning, but uh, we certainly appreciated those two stories about the Snake River. Now, tell us a little bit. You're way up in Coeur d'Alene. Is there a lot of snow up there this morning? You know, there's not much snow, but, you know, one thing I enjoy about traveling up through Montana is every time I come up through there and I pass the area of the battles where Chief Joseph and the Nez Perce Indians uh, came across into Montana and headed up to Montana, uh, up to Canada. I just always have to picture in my mind uh, the uh, Indians traveling with their women, their children, and all of their uh, equipment and, and the fear they must have felt, you know, knowing that the cavalry was uh, not too far behind them, chasing them. And uh, so when you think of Montana and the big sky country, uh, I always... Like I say, traveling through there just always kind of makes my imagination run a little wild. Absolutely. Well, now, next week, are you going to be here in the studio with another great story for us? I will, and I hope I can hear you better. I hope to be out to the studio so that we can see each other and uh, make faces at each other. All right. Well, I want to say thank you very much, Dr. History. Have a great trip home, and thank you for that. uh, Two great stories this morning. Thank you very much. You bet. We'll see you later. All Have right. a good day. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.